the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Hi, curious minds out there in our ever-expanding radio land. Welcome to CC with BB. Connecting with coincidence with Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, that's me, is the only radio show in the world dedicated to the study of coincidences, synchronicity, and serendipity. We are coming to you through the X-Zone Broadcast Network located in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, and broadcasting all over the world. I am a psychiatrist. I am making the synchronicity work of psychiatrist Carl Jung more practical by building on his important theoretical work. The phase connecting with coincidence is my coincidence brand. It is the name of my book, my Psychology Today blog, my website, and my social media sites. Be sure to visit my YouTube channel too. To find any and all of these, please put connecting with coincidence in your search engine. Would you like to know how sensitive you are to coincidences? Take the Weird Coincidence survey on my website. Coincidence tell us that we have abilities that we don't know we have. They can be helpful in our practical, emotional, and spiritual lives. They let us know we have abilities like telepathy, clairvoyance, precognition, and human GPS. Human GPS is our ability to get to places we need to go without consciously intending to go there. Coincidences point us towards other intelligence is that may be influencing our lives. Synchronicities offer a path toward spiritual development. Unlike meditation, which is primarily self-involved, synchronicities show us how connected each of us is to our surroundings. I theorize the existence of our mental atmosphere, the psychosphere. Just as we breathe in oxygen and breathe out carbon dioxide, we also inspire energy information and send out energy information. The rapid development of the Internet is creating a scaffolding for our increasing efficiency in our involvement with the psychosphere. Our guest today is Jeffrey Kripal, and he's the author of Newtons and Mystics. And in one of the stories he has in that book, comes from Doug Mensch. And Doug Mensch was a writer who has was just finishing writing a scene for a Planet of the Apes comic book. It was about a black-hooded gorilla named Brutus. The scene involves Brutus invading the human hero's house, where he grabbed the man's mate by the neck and held a gun to her head in order to manipulate the hero. Just as Doug finished this scene, he heard his wife call for him in an odd sort of way from the living room across the house from him. He got up, walked the length of the house, and entered the living room only to encounter a man in a black hood with one arm around his wife's neck and the other holding a gun to her head. Just as Mensch was writing the scene, the hooded intruder of his fiction seemed to enter his house. Mensch did not know whether he had predicted it or created it. He wondered whether or not he should write anymore. He only knew that a story on his page and an, and an event in his life mirrored each other in a dramatic way. 
that's a high-powered coincidence, a high-powered synchronicity. And there are other stories like this. A, a man named Ryan had such an experience writing about a character and then having that character not only look like the not have, and having a man come to his door and having the same characteristics as the person he was writing about. How do these things happen? Well, our guest today is Jeffrey Kripal, Jeffrey Kripal, who will help us understand some of how this works, hopefully. Jeffrey uh, holds the Newton Razor Chair in Philosophy and Religious Thought at Rice University. He is the author of numerous books, including Comparing Religions, Coming to Terms, Authors of the Impossible, The Paranormal and the Sacred, and the first book I saw of him, of Esalen in America, and Religion of No Religion. He, present, he presently works on a three-volume, he's presently working on a three-volume study of paranormal currents in American history for the University of Chicago Press. Jeff is a scholar of really a great guy to hang around with, and I've had the opportunity to do that here in Charlottesville, Virginia. Easy to talk with and has some very good ideas that are tempered by his academic upbringing. So it's fun to see just how far he allows himself to go when talking about some of these things. We will be talking about human capacities that are reflected both in science fiction and in comic books, much of which Jeff has reviewed. And we will be doing coming back with Jeff after a very short break. Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. Welcome back to CC with BB. Our guest is Jeffrey Kripal, who is the Newton, J. Newton Razor Chair in Philosophy and Religious Thought at Rice University and author of several books, including Mutants and Mystics. And I quoted from uh, Mutants and Mystics about an uh, experience that a writer, Doug Mensch, had about writing about an ape-like person, and an ape-like person shows up at the writer's door just as he's writing about the story for a, uh, for the comic book of planets and the ape planet of the apes jeff tell us more about that incident and uh, what do you think of it well i i um, actually uh, hosted a a four-year 
symposium series at the Esalen Institute on the paranormal and popular culture. And so I was trying to get at this, this deep resonance between people's paranormal experiences and contemporary genres like science fiction and superhero comics. And Doug Mensch was one of the comic book writers I really wanted to meet because he writes about these things in a very um, nuanced way. And so I, you know, I invited Doug to Esalen and he came and we, we spent five days together. And during the course of those five days, he, he told us lots of stories, kind of drop your jaw uh, synchronicities, but probably the most poignant or powerful was, was the one you just, you just told. Um, and so I opened, um, the mutants and mystics book with that story as just a way of getting into, into the issues. Um, so what do I think about it? Well, when I, when I first wrote mutants and mystics, I just finished another book called authors of the impossible, which was all about the paranormal as a, as a function of language and, and communication. I really, to this day, think that when people experience something paranormal, what they're really experiencing is the creation of meaning. Uh, in their life, it's it, 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 these things work like stories or, or texts, and when we search for mechanisms, we're 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 searching in the wrong place. Um, and so, I was really interested in the power of language, and particularly writers who seem to create the realities that they're writing about. So that's why I began with that story. So there is a link there. There's a deep link between the profound coincidence and and the act of writing. Now. What I think of it today is a little different, actually. Um, what I suspect is that a lot of paranormal phenomena, not all of them, are really kind of camouflage forms of precognition. Um, I've been deeply influenced by a writer named Eric Wargo, who uh, has a blog called The Nightshirt. And Eric has convinced me that a lot of these things actually are, are precognitive but that they're working on an unconscious level. In other words, we get all of, we're sort of living in the future all the time. We're living a few seconds or a few few minutes, sometimes a few hours or days into the future, but we don't have access to that self, but it reaches back to us through our dreams and through our creative urges and through our hunches and intuitions. And we pick these bits of information from the future up and we then translate them into ideas or hunches, or in Doug's case, a scene in a Planet of the Apes comic book. So I think what was probably happening there today, what I think today is that what was probably happening is that Doug was receiving information from the near future about what was actually happening in his house in the future. And he uh, mistook that. Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonabello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Recognized it as a precognition, but he recognized it just as another creative thought because that's what he is. He's a creative writer. And so he wrote it out, and then the scene played out in his house. Um, so that's actually what I think now. I, I think it's probably some kind of unconscious precognition. <laughs> and so you think his own selection of that scene um, was he, was not anything that he was responsible for, except for reading what was going to happen into the fu in the near future. Oh yeah, I don't think Doug was responsible for any of it. I think that that was his fear, and that's. One, I suppose that's one interpretation of it, but I don't, I don't find that convincing. Um, I, I think again, he, 
was hit, getting a hit from the near future, and he just, you know, he's a writer. He's a cre Doug is an incredibly creative writer, and so virtually anything that takes place in his psyche, he's going to turn into a, a story. I mean, that's what he is. He's a writer, and so he just took that bit of precognitive information and and wove it right into a story. He didn't recognize what it was until, of course, it played out. Mm -hmm. how does it, how does Doug think about it I don't know you know when I spoke to Doug uh, about that story he he expressed a lot of humility and a lot of confusion and he I mean what Doug I think it's fair to say that what Doug thinks is that the world is far stranger than we realize and that there's something uh incredibly powerful about human beings um, that again we don't recognize but he didn't have he didn't have some easy explanation for, I don't think there is any easy explanation I think my precognitive model is hardly easy because it you, you need to have some some part of us living in the future all the time he's go ahead well, that's it, Bernie. I mean, that's what I think about that story now. Um, uh, well, Doug, Doug wondered whether or not he should continue writing at all, uh, right. because he's he seemed to be afraid that he had something to do with the creation of that scene. Right, but it's a question for him. That was a question, not a statement. Yeah, uh, yeah, and you know, the truth is, he did continue to write. Yeah. Uh, so. I think he ultimately decided that it was okay, but I think he probably feared his own creative processes for quite some time. You know, there, there is some truth to writing stuff, and it takes place out there, even, even if it's in the simple form of, of people reading it, and it gets into their minds, and they start thinking and acting in the way that um, it's what the reading suggests. Uh, I, I, know, I know somebody uh, who's who's who re read this complex novel um, about uh, a kingdom uh, ruled by women and um, all kinds of characters playing in it who is trying to recreate that um, that scene that that world uh, in her life she's having a lot of trouble doing it um, but it's a is a direct example of how people take writing and try to make it real, of taking how a, a movie gets made out of a novel. Um, it and sometimes novelists want that to have want that to happen. This is like a real life movie being made right in front of you, right when you're writing it. Uh, right. It's it seems to be a, a variation on a continuum with an explanation form we don't have with the movies and somebody copying it are two ways. We can explain how that happens, but this one precognitive meant that he comes. It comes into his mind, and it comes into his mind at a time when it fits with what he's writing. That that's it's that suggests something to me that if if the minds that we are immersed in, um, I call it the psychosphere. People use uh, other terms for it. Has all the information that there ever was that he uh, he and mystics try to tell us that there it's all there once you get into uh, mystical spaces that maybe he also reached out into that places where such information is and brought it in himself yeah I he, mean, yeah I mean I that, again the, that's not that dissimilar to the model I'm proposing or that Eric Wargo's proposing. I mean, essentially what Eric argues is that we all live in what he calls a glass block universe. This is a phrase from modern cosmology where all space and time already exists. So the, the past exists in the past. It still exists in the past. The present exists and the future exists. And our experience of time is kind of an illusion. It, it, we're moving through, we're slicing through this block universe in a kind of world line that we are, but the future is all all already there, and uh, information from that future can travel backwards, as it were, in mm -hmm. a kind of retrocausal motion. So, in that model, you you don't actually need a psychosphere or some kind of 
uh, ether, you you just need a, the universe itself that is communicating with itself um, backwards and forwards. And um, so I again, I'm not burning. I'm not saying that's the way it is. I I, I listen. I'm not God. I, I'm not some super psychic. I'm just saying that makes a lot of sense to me. And um, I find that a plausible way to think about these 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 examples. Yeah, and I, 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 I've been in academics too, and I, I have tended to be more cautious when within academics than outside of academics, and that cautiousness has a big value because you get much more careful about what you want to be able to say and what you want to be able to think. What, what I'm wondering about is how the responsibility, the volitional elements in Doug that went into the block universe where everything is, the, has, is there that we want and selected it rather than um, precognitive it. He's yeah. less, less passive than active. Yeah. Yeah, the, the problem is, is that once you posit information coming from the future, or maybe a future self, right? Uh -huh. Then then you're in a kind of what Eric calls a time loop, and it's completely unclear who the agent is. And, <laughs> you know, who, who's receiving what from whom? It's it's a loop. It's a loop. It's not a straight arrow line. Uh, so the Eric of the future, I mean, the Doug of the future could be sending him, sending the Doug of the present. Uh, that I, I, Absolutely. Let, let me give you another example that I've actually written about in exactly this way. I, I wrote a textbook on how to compare religions called Comparing Religions, um, obviously enough. And um, the last chapter begins with this story of a, a fellow academic um, whom I met on one of my lecture trips. And she wanted to remain anonymous, so I won't use her name or her institution, but major academic at a major research institution who after my lecture on the paranormal um, kind of pulled me aside. Actually, she was taking me to dinner. We were alone in the car. And so she said, uh, you know, can I tell you a story? And, of course, I hear that all the time. <laughs> um, you, know, they, yeah, you, ain't the, you ain't the only one. You ain't the only one. <laughs> yeah, academics are careful people, and they won't tell these stories just in public, and they won't tell them to just anyone, but they'll tell them to people whom they think will keep a secret and who will understand. And she had already decided I would understand. And I have, in fact, kept her secret. But here's the story. So a few years ago, she sent her little son up to a, a petting zoo outside of the city she lives in with her nanny. And so the nanny got in the car and was driving up to the petting zoo. And at 10... 18 a.m. or some really precise time, uh, this woman felt this immense um, shock to her body, a kind of impact, and a video just played in her head of her car filling up with white smoke, which she didn't understand, and then her son in the back seat in the in the in the child seat screaming his head off after this accident. And Jeff, we're gonna we're gonna have the accident of ending this segment, so we will continue that scary place after a short break. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Welcome back to CC with BB, our 
guest today is Jeffrey Kripal, and he is the author of Mutants and Mystics. And we're right in the middle of a great story of his, uh, told to him by an academic, academic friend of his. Please continue with story with a little backup. Well, okay, so this woman sends her son up to the petting zoo with the nanny, and at 10.18 a.m. in the morning, she gets this physical shock or, or impact in her body, and a video plays off in her head, per perfect video, her son screaming in the car seat with the car filling up with white smoke. So obviously this is not something you want to see as a, as a parent or, or a mother of a young son. So she immediately calls um, the nanny. This is in the age of cell phones. And, and they were fine. Nothing had happened. Um, so she was afraid and she said, I want you to drive back on the side roads as slowly as you can, and I want you to come home right now. So they drove back home, and they got back fine, and everything was fine, and and, and this woman was happy. Um, but the next day, the child, of course, wanted to go back to the petting zoo because he got his trip ruined by his mom the day before. So the mother was not going to take any chances, so she drives him up. And on the way up, they're in a high-speed collision on the highway, and the car, the car uh, hits a, a ditch or a, um, a wall or something, and the airbags go off, which is what the white smoke was. And when the car stops, the, the mom who's injured can still turn around, and she looks back, and she sees that exact scene that had played off in her head uh -huh. Uh -huh. the day before. And uh, a man, the man who hit her actually was okay, and he came <laughs> to, to help her and, um, and called her husband for her. And the phone call came in at like 10, 20 a.m. or something. So, okay, so that's, there's the story. Now, essentially what you have there is a, a, a mother mistaking a precognitive event for a clairvoyant one. In other words, she thinks the, the event she's seeing is happening right now at a distance, but in fact, what she's seeing is exactly 24 hours into the future. And if you start to think about that event, it's impossible to tell whether the mother on day one is precognizing herself on day two, or if the mother on day two is sending a signal back to herself on day one to try to prevent this event. And of course, by acting on the precognition, she in fact causes the event. So she's caught in this mind-bending time loop. Uh, and so we can ask, well, what's the point of any of that? And, and I, I, don't, I don't know if I have an answer, but one of the things I can say is, we know for certain that because of that loop, the mother driving on day two is being way more careful than she would have normally. And so I think we could reasonably suggest that that whole experience might have prevented something far worse from happening, but it could not prevent the event from happening. I think that's interesting too. By act again, by acting on the warning, she in fact caused the event and it all hinged on a misinterpretation. But my other point is there's no way to tell who the agent is there. Is it the is it the is it mom on day one or is it mom on day two? You don't know. It's both. What evidence is there um, um, for intervention that she was trying to do? Uh, but when a person sees precognitively um, a, a a bad event happening, and that they do something different as she tried to do, uh, and help and prevent it from happening, I I think the evidence is mixed, Bernie. I we have the literature on these sorts of events is, of course, extremely rich. It goes, I'm sure, it goes into the tens, if not hundreds, of thousands of cases, and we do have numerous cases of mothers or fathers or loved ones precognizing something or clairvoyantly seeing something, acting on it and saving the loved one. So this is why I begin to suspect 
that these capacities have uh, evolutionary or adaptive functions and why they might actually be expressions of what we what we call evolution because they help people survive and they yeah. even they even save lives um, which is exactly what you would want if you were an evolutionary gift mm-hmm yeah and then there's the stories of um, mothers who have the precognition and don't act on it and the, and the son rides his bicycle and gets hit by a car coming out of a driveway yeah those and and the guilt that comes from from that parent from not having uh acted on it yeah. and those are there there are those stories too what makes a what makes a person being able to um, know that it's time to act uh and then as your first story with the automobile accident suggests, act how, act when, act now, act into the future. So how do you, I'll do it so the other person isn't riding. So there's a bunch of decisions to be made sometimes, uh, and you still have to select the one that works. Others might not. Well, and this is why, again, I wrote Authors of the Impossible, because everything hinges on how we interpret these. You know, we we are the ones who they're engaging, we're the readers of these stories, whether they happen to someone else or they happen to us, there's still there's still information or texts coming into us that we have to interpret. And sometimes life and death hinges on how we interpret those. And w- what that suggests to me is that <laughs> we've either lost the ability to interpret these, which we once had, or we're not there yet. We haven't integrated these capacities into our our lives and our cultures in a way that, that allows us to, to handle them correctly. I suspect it's the latter. I mean, we actually have a, a number of ancient stories of people who misinterpret uh, a seer or an oracle or something, and the result is disastrous. So I, I think we've been misinterpreting these things for a long time. I, I don't see any evidence that we... We're once good at it. <laughs> well, Oedipus story is a very good example of yeah. misinterpretation. Yeah. Taking it the wrong, taking it, it, it was a prediction, but then, but that, and that time for, with Oedipus, it was, uh, it was fate. He, it was going to happen no matter what he did. And when, I guess when you start incorporating these things too and trying to make it part of more conscious technology of the present um you still are fighting the idea that no matter what you do it's still going to come out wrong because that's a history in uh, human uh, human experience that oedipus uh, tried to avoid it and ended up uh, uh, ma- marrying his mother and killing his father or killing his father and marrying his mother without knowing it just what he just what he didn't want to do Right, but of course, the ancient Greek word for fate, I mean, I think Eric Wargo might say that's just an ancient word for the glass block universe in which past, present, and future are are all there right now. And that we have more options than just what happened to Oedipus. I hope so. Well, would Eric believe that in his his block universe? That's a good question. You should ask him. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I have this uh, terrible affliction uh, of being a therapist, and, <laughs> and this affliction uh, has me uh, looking for the responsibility in the person that I'm talking with uh, yeah. for what happened, or the person who's the central part of it. Because so much of what um, my patients do, and I am certainly guilty of this, is want to blame somebody else or something else. It's, it's, uh, it's the furies that made me do it. It's that uh, that look somebody get that there. I wasn't. I didn't sleep enough. Uh, well, all kinds of reasons we have to explain our behavior, by which we don't take responsibility for what we've done. And taking responsibility is to uh, assume more understanding uh, and potential over our own capacities. As much as people are afraid of it, it's what expands us when we can see what we can do uh, rather than deny what we can do. And Authors of the Impossible and Mutants and Mystics is telling us that we have potentials. And sometimes I know people who use their potentials in bad ways because they don't know how to use them right. 
uh, and the people who use them uh, in you know, ineffective ways. But I, I, what's so important to me about what you're writing about, Jeff, is, is that you're elucidating, eliciting, defining, describing, uh, beautifully writing about um, these capacities that we have. Can we learn to accept them and how to use them? Right. And so I just this week, Bernie, uh, my new book just came out like three days ago called Secret Body. And it's a it's essentially a memoir and a manifesto that ties all the books that I wrote before together into one book. And the reason I'm mentioning it isn't to try to sell a book, but to observe that it opens. Actually, the first page opens with this observation of mine that these books I've written about these strange things elicit or conjure the strange things in the lives of their readers. In other words, by reading about synchronicities and precognition and clairvoyance, a sensitive reader is much more likely to then experience those things in her or his life while reading such a book. And I don't, I don't believe that you know I'm some kind of magus or super psychic sitting here manipulating people's lives. What I think is happening is what stops these things from happening is our own disbelief and our own doubt. And when people encounter a voice that gives them permission to consider things they wouldn't consider, those things then enter the world because now they're not blocking them. So I think there's a kind of allowance or permission function that takes place when, when we write or talk about these things. And I, I bet the same thing happens to some of your listeners, actually. I bet this show elicits or conjures the phenomena that it's talking about. Oh, yes, indeed. Um, in a couple of different ways. Um, sometimes uh, something I'm dealing with in my personal life connects directly with what a guest is talking about. And I can bring in my personal life and get some help and resolution. Right. So, Sometimes it's uh, one one guest starts talking about something that another guest had been talking about uh, another time, and that connects them up. Right. And I, I, and for the more pertinent thing, people reading my book see more coincidences, and when I give talks, it elicit elicits coincidences, and they start remembering more of them, and then they leave seeing more of them. There's a sensitization, a permission to be sensitized to synchronicity that that I do too, and that means and you are doing that too. And all of us who can touch the minds of people with clear stories, enthusiasm, and understanding, with the idea that these experiences are really useful, interesting, and fun, as well as tricky. Got to watch out for the tricky parts of these, um, that, that, that we will be expanding uh, our understanding of how reality works. That's right. I, I couldn't agree more. And you're doing that in your, your book. Uh, so we are at the end of this segment, and we will be back after a short break. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 
1-800-227-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Welcome back to CC with BB, the only radio show in the world talking about synchronicity, coincidences, and serendipity. With Jeff Kripal here, we are talking about his new book. And in his new book, The Secret the Secret Body, he helps us see how what he writes and what I write or what others write help influence the minds of the people who read them. And Jeff, would you please keep talking more about what you see what you mean and what effects you are getting from or you think you think you will get or already have have gotten from your new book the secret body yeah it, the title's just secret body or secret uh, body yeah and um it's it's a book that that kind of ranges through my whole life and talks about all the ideas in the six books that i've written and the second half of that corpus is all dedicated pretty much to the paranormal, what we're talking about here. And the basic idea is that paranormal events are all about meaning. They're not about mechanisms. In other words, if you look for causes, you won't find any. But if you look for metaphors and puns and stories and and um, riddles, you'll find them galore. So... I my argument has long been that if we want to understand paranormal events, we need the tools of, of literary theory and the study of religion and the study of myth, and that the sciences can give us something, but they're they're not very helpful here, actually, because that's simply not what paranormal events are about. And you can study these things scientifically, you can study the, the physical events that happen in the environment. But that's only half the story. Those physical events are always related to some mental uh, state or some need or some desire of the person who's experiencing them. So that's been my basic idea for a long time, that the paranormal is always this coincidence between a mental state and a physical event. And by coincidence, of course, I don't mean random. I mean they're coinciding. Uh, they're happening at the same time. Um, and so that's really what I write about. And, uh, I've, you know, received hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of letters from readers who then report to me strange things happening around the reading of these books. And, and so I, I begin secret body just with that observation that there's something about writing and talking about the paranormal that conjures the paranormal and that, of course, confirms the theory or the idea that these events are about the production of meaning. Um, so it's kind of, kind of a circle, Bernie. Uh, you know, it's a circle that proves itself, I guess, um, if that helps. I, I don't mean to be speaking in riddles, but these things are often riddles, I'm afraid. And they, they're they confusing to those of us who want to think in straight lines because they think in loops, not straight lines. Well, the loop comes back to you. Uh, you wrote about it, and they write back to you. Right. So, so, so how does I think I like to think in spirals too. So, how does that that come back coming back to you? That's come back to you enough times so that you needed to write another book about it. Well, it came back to me enough times so that I stopped resisting it, <laughs> uh, and so that I ex could accept it and then write secret body as a way of expressing that acceptance. I, I don't doubt these things um, any longer. And, you know, I had no interest in any of this for most of my professional life. This is a fairly late interest, and I only became interested in it because I was essentially forced to when I was actually working on the history of Esalen. I was talking to so many people who told me these stories, and 
I knew two things. I knew that the stories they were telling me were impossible. And uh, the second thing I knew is that they happened. <laughs> and, uh, so I, that was that was the beginning of this quest of mine. That was about 05 or 06, somewhere in there. Well, what was what were some of those early Esalen stories that uh, impressed you so much? Oh well, one of the one of the funniest ones is uh, Mike Murphy and Dick Price founded this little visionary community in Big Sur, and there wasn't even an Esalen yet. The institute hadn't hadn't even started. And it was just this little motel uh, on the side of the road, and they had gathered this little group of about a half a dozen uh, visionaries together, kind of young people wanting a better world. And Mike had ha had them all reading uh, Abe Maslow's uh, Tortoise Psychology of Being. Uh, and so they were all reading uh, Abraham Maslow. And one night, in the dark, uh, Abe and Bertha Maslow were driving down Highway 1 looking for a, a hotel. And they pulled into this little motel and went to the front, uh, front, uh, front table and asked for a room. And, of course, the guy behind the counter immediately recognized the name and went running through the property yelling, Abe Maslow, Abe Maslow. So somehow, you know, <laughs> reading about Abe Maslow conjured Abe Maslow for this little community in Big Sur. Oh, uh, good, 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 yeah. good, good. And look, there are just hundreds and hundreds of those. You know, they just go on and on and on and on and on and involve everything from, you know, being able to communicate with the cells of your body to seeing UFOs to levitation uh, i've heard a lot of levitation stories as well so uh, it's just it's just it's endless so you were overwhelmed by the data i was overwhelmed by the data but I, I you know when you hit when you run into data abstractly when you read about it it's easy to dismiss when you run run into it in another human being you know you've moved out of the third person into at least the second person and a first person is now speaking directly to you, and it's much harder to to dismiss. I, you know, I, ostensibly people can lie, of course, or misperceive what happened to them, but after about a hundred or a thousand of these, you start to realize, you know what? They're not they're not all misperceiving, and almost none of them are lying. And um, and so you just kind of fall into this conclusion that the world ain't what it looks like yeah. and, uh, and of course that's the basic premise of good science too that what we perceive ain't what's there or it's only a tiny 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 sliver of what is there and i uh, and that's you know that's the origin of the word paranormal by the way it didn't it did it was coined by a, a french psychologist one of your peers so your own profession is to blame here uh and he what he meant by it in 1903 wasn't any. He didn't mean the supernatural. He meant something about the natural world that we don't yet understand, and uh, it's it's normal, but it's also para. It's just to the side or or just beyond our our models of what nature is and how it works. And we're, we we are trying to drag para out of no, normal and put it into a regular reality. Yeah, and of course once we have a model for precognition or clairvoyance, they'll no longer be paranormal. They'll be normal. Uh, and, and I suspect that's exactly what will happen. It's just, it's going to take some time though. Uh, uh, having a model uh, is so crucial and, and, and a language too. Uh, paranormal is not a good language now. Uh, even precognition and clairvoyance um, may be needed to be replaced. Uh, the, the, one of the stumbling blocks you've mentioned several times about the need for explanation. And you say explanation uh, in the usual way is not necessary or, or not possible. It's more about meaning, which sounds a lot like Jung and his definition is one, his one of his many definitions of synchronicity, which was uh, a meaningful connectedness, that synchronicity uh, describes uh, meaning rather than causation as the connecting principle, an a-causal connecting principle based on meaning. Meaning has a lot of different meanings. Uh, I, I love... <laughs> 
I love the the book, the meaning of meaning, only because it's large and not comprehensible to me. Uh, but there are there are at least four meanings around coincidences. And so when you're talking about meaning, you're talking. You mentioned um, having to go to language uh, and probably and myths. You're talking and literature. Uh, you're talking about the symbolic language from uh, those areas but there's more to meaning than than symbols and myths and i just would you expand on what you mean by meaning uh, in in these terms in this context yeah it's a very it's a tough one it's very abstract and i suppose i mean something more practical i mean that when someone has a paranormal experience and that it's obviously they're in the zone or there's something eerie going on or there's some extraordinary coincidence those events are designed to help that person deal with a transition or a crisis or they're trying to guide the person down a particular decision path. In other words, they're not random and they're designed essentially to help us live. They're, they're inherently meaningful uh, in the sense that they're, they act as guides or, or pointers for what we need to do at that moment. Um, now, how they do that, I don't know. Again, my gut feeling, this is the gut feeling, is that it's actually us communicating with us, uh, whether we want to speak of the unconscious or we want to posit some kind of future self. I don't know, but... I suspect that these are essentially self-communications with the self. Um, and, and by the self, I don't mean the ego, of course. I mean some kind of psyche that extends into the physical environment, into the cosmos itself. I, I agree with that. We're coming to the end of this, but I agree with that. It's, 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 there's a certain sense of self here on Earth uh, communicating with a, a higher self. And I think sometimes there's, a, there's a, an intelligence beyond our particular higher self, and there's a boundary blurring there that we're going to continue to have to explore. But we've come to the end of a very, very interesting and positive discussion, Jeff. Thanks very, very much for being on the show. You're welcome.